This week on Wealth Track, the great bond challenge, finding income and profits. FBA New Income's Thomas Atterbury and Mackay Shields' Robert DeMella accept the assignment. Next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective. Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences. Rosalind P. Walter and the Fairholm Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Stock market action tends to dominate the financial headlines, especially during a powerful bull market of historic proportions, as we have been experiencing since the market bottom in March of 2009. The benchmark S&P 500 has climbed nearly 300 percent since those hand-wringing days of the last great financial crisis. If you add dividends to the mix and let the power of compounding do its magic, the total return is an impressive 376 percent. But in the background, a much longer and greater bull run was playing out in a much larger market, and the public hardly noticed. What's been called the bond market rally of a lifetime started back in 1981 when interest rates on the benchmark 10-year Treasury note peaked at around 15 percent. They've been pretty much declining ever since and bottomed at 1.45% in July of 2016. When interest rates fall, bond prices rise. If you own 30-year Treasury bonds, your cumulative return, including interest payments, would have been nearly 3,000%, which translates into an average annualized total return of 9.6%. Those long-maturity Treasury bonds famously outperformed stocks during that 36-year period. The stock market's price appreciation lagged and delivered 9% annualized returns. Well, if investors reinvested their dividends and took advantage of the power of compounding, however, it was a different story. Then investing in an S&P 500 index would have soared nearly 6,000 percent or nearly 12 percent annualized returns. But stocks had several harrowing years of declines, while bonds soldiered through with much less damage. Safe haven treasuries especially thrive in times of crisis. But with the Federal Reserve raising short-term interest rates, many bond market observers are saying the glory days are finally over and that a long bear market in bonds is beginning. We have two top fixed income managers with us, one who invests in treasuries and corporate bonds, the other in the largely tax-free municipal bond market. Tom Atterbury is a partner and longtime portfolio manager at FPA, which stands for First Pacific Advisors. He is the lead portfolio manager of its award-winning flagship FPA New Income Fund, which carries a bronze medalist rating from Morningstar for providing a safe haven from losses and bond market excesses. FPA New Income's goal is to deliver a positive return every year, in other words, not lose money, and beat inflation over multi-year periods, specifically the consumer price index, by 100 basis points or a full percent. Robert DeMella is co-head of Mackay Municipal Managers, part of the fixed income and equity firm Mackay Shields, a division of New York Life. New York Life is a wealth truck sponsor, but DeMella is here on his own investment merits. 
He is a portfolio manager of several award-winning funds, including its flagship Mainstay Tax-Free Bond Fund and is also a Morningstar bronze medalist. I began our discussion by asking for their assessment of valuations in the bond markets, starting with Tom Atterbury on treasuries and corporates. So the, the state of the corporate market, whether you think of high yield, whether you think of investment grade, looking at the spread that you get over a treasury for both of those segments of the marketplace, they're extremely overvalued. Uh, there are spreads and yields that are at, at lows for a cycle. Right. So offer very, to in our view, offer very little value if there is any sort of credit problem in the entity going forward. Now, that's not to say it's going to happen in the next six months or nine months, but if you think out several years. If I look at the, the government market, treasury market, it's actually a place of improvement. As the short end of the yield curve has been rising. Right, as the Fed raises rates. Yeah, right. they just sort of periodically they've been raising. You are seeing the negative real yield that was associated with a two-year or a five-year treasury dissipate. In fact, and, the five-year treasury now yields about inflation. It's, it's at actual zero. And, so and again, real yield is, if, if, if you look at it, you know, if you take out the effects of inflation, subtract inflation, the real, what you get over right. inflation. And if, in this case, you were getting a negative real yield um, right. until now. So until now. So you got a case. positive one. I got a positive one. You've, this is the first time you've had that. If we go back multiple years, it's been negative because the Fed was running a policy of zero interest rate policy. They were wanting to have negative real rates because they wanted investors to go borrow money, go do something with the borrowed money, or they wanted them to go take risk. But we're in the process of seeing that change, and that's my, that's my comment. Right. Oh, there's value starting to return. In, in the shorter maturity, what about the longer maturities? The longer maturity, you need, a, you need more. Yes, it has a positive yield today, but since it's, say, a 10-year treasury, you realize, okay, over 10 years, there's a lot of variations in inflation that can occur of which we don't know about yet. So just getting a small positive real yield out of a 10-year treasury, you're going, okay, I'm not, I'm not paid for the uncertainty of the changes in inflation that may occur over the next 10 years for that length. So it doesn't offer as much value there, but it is at least at a positive level, whereas it had also used to be at a negative real yield level. Valuations overall in the municipal bond market. Overall, the municipal bond market is still attractive at the beginning of the year. You're looking at uh, exactly what happened with regards to tax reform. Um, taxes came down, not as nearly as much as the market was worrying about and anticipating just over a year ago. And it's, if you look at it from a historical perspective, a lot of value is still left there. We think the overall technicals of the municipal marketplace, that is supply is going to drop considerably in 2018. Demand is going to stay high, if not actually even higher, on the margin especially in high-tax states like California and New York mm -hmm. in those sectors because of the tax reform impact on it. And then the fundamentals are also still positive. The economy continues to grow. Personal income taxes continue to grow. Excise taxes continue to grow. These are all positive fundamental credit characteristics for the municipal marketplace, state and local governments. So whenever you have a marketplace that's strong technically, strong fundamentally, relative value is attractive from a historical perspective, that's why we're actually pretty opportunistic for the municipal marketplace in 2018. And where's the demand coming from, uh, Bob? And, and explain, you, you mentioned the ta tax reform. And I can think certainly living in a high-tax state like New York. Right. Um, and with, the, no, with SALT, so no longer the state and local taxes being deductible. 
So is that where the demand's coming from for municipal bonds or? That's gonna drive it. That's gonna be yeah. part of what's gonna drive it right now is that municipal bonds are still exempt from federal and state income taxes. And so therefore, with the elimination of the SALT deductions, the state and local tax deductions, your high net worth earners in high tax states just went up. Even though you had tax reform and on the level federal rates went down, their tax liability just went up because right. they lost this huge deduction. And so their demand is going to increase. But you see it actually in a lot of varied ways. The municipal marketplace over the last several years has seen a rather significant increase in what I call non-traditional buyers. As an example, foreign buyers, European and Asian buyers, who have never... Why? Yeah. Well, think about the global rate market. Right. Think about global rates, global interest rates in Europe and Asia. They're either zero or negative. So there's virtually no income and yield to be had anywhere. And these larger institutions, life insurance companies, pension companies, they really need income. They really need some kind of a spread. Federal Reserve, any surprises? You know, Tom, I mean, you know, we're looking at very gradual rates. Got a new chairman coming in in February. Um, looks like kind of the same policy. So any, uh, are, are you predicting predictability with the Fed? They, they find themselves in a situation where they have run this zero interest rate policy for since really 2009. And they've right. never run that before. And then they compounded that by deciding to buy roughly three and a half to, you know, trillion worth of either treasuries or some, or, or, or right. 30-year mortgage. And they now find themselves with an economy that's starting to do better. And they're going, how do I get out of the room without anybody noticing? So I think their challenge and the surprise is, are they going to be able to successfully exit what they sort of entered and thought they wanted to do? Uh, we see a difficulty showing up at the end of this year when they don't want to reinvest $30 billion, But in order to reach that objective, they're going to have to sell something they own. And we think, okay, that could start to cause some some problems. Some, some, to... Are you concerned about the Fed or how concerned are you about the Fed? Not necessarily concerned about no. it, but with the Federal Reserve in conjunction with tax reform, we think the biggest impact on the municipal marketplace is just simply going to be the shape of the yield curve and its implications on both an income and a total return perspective for clients. But we really have trouble with high-grade intermediate municipal bonds for clients' portfolios. The reason is, is when the, short, the Federal Reserve is raising short-term interest rates, now, all of a sudden, a five-year bond with a 1.5% yield does not look attractive no. at all. It's too much interest rate risk for the offsetting income. So that has to drop on a relative basis. The long end of the yield curve could be actually pinned down or have increased demand because of some consequences of the Tax Reform Act. Right, so that's 10 years and, and beyond. 10 years and longer. Right. So what does do well in a situation where the Fed is raising short-term rates and long-term rates aren't going up a lot. So to use the terminology, it's the barbell the strategy. Barbell. Okay. The barbell strategy Explain. works very well. So you can either buy a five-year bond with a four-year duration, interest rate sensitivity is 4%, uh, or, and income is around 1.5%, as an example. Or you can buy a 15-year bond and some two-year bonds, right, and, and allocate it right, to get to the same matching five-year maturity, four-year duration characteristics there. Your income stream is going to be probably at least 50 basis points higher. Mm -hmm. Half right? a percentage point. Mm -hmm. Right, half a percentage point higher. So you immediately have a better income profile for the client, which at the end of the day is the most important aspect of any bond or bond fund strategy. If the long end stays stable or 
actually starts coming down in interest rate yields, that's an up in price. Right. You're actually making a positive total return there. Your one-year bond or your two-year bonds, as they mature, you can actually reinvest them at higher and higher rates. And that requires active management. That requires active management. Right. Tom, in, in this it's still you know, low interest rate environment where people are searching for income, where are you going? Actually, with the rise in treasury rates, we find that two to four-year treasuries too long in there mm -hmm. start to make some sense. Mm -hmm. um, away from that, okay, what high-quality bonds have that similar maturity to them? Um, we prefer to look at structured product, things asset-backed, where you own a bond that's backed by a pool of loans of some sort, mm -hmm. loans on, on construction equipment or loans on farming equipment or loans on, you know, on a fleet of, of service trucks for somebody, as an example. So, so why? What's the advantage of There's a couple types of bonds? The first advantage is that, that we like is you know, they're three, four, five-year underlying loans. So they amortize principal every month. So every month you're... you're oh, you're getting you're, income every you're getting, month. You're getting not only income, but you're also getting principal. your principal back. I see. Which means you now can look at the marketplace and go, okay, where's the opportunity to reinvest that principal income? So that's the first thing. The second thing is you can lend on an asset that you realize is critical to an individual or critical to a business, which means the chances are they're going to pay you for it. Um, you can also figure out what the asset is. Can I value it? Can I sell it if I have to? I can get my hands on it if I need to. You can do all those elements of fundamental research of lending mm -hmm. on an asset. And the interesting piece is you can do all that or you can go look at the investment-grade corporate market where you don't have the claim on assets. You're just an unsecured creditor. Right. You may have the same maturity and such. It's a bullet. It doesn't amortize. And its yield is either equal or less than the asset back that you've bought. This is, well, wait a minute, I can get an asset back, a claim on an asset, get a monthly amortization, and get a higher yield than I can if I go buy the, an investment-grade corporate? I'll take the asset back. The final reason for it is one of, we're uncertain of how fast the Fed's going to raise, how fast the economy is going to move. So why don't we just periodically have the money come back to us mm -hmm. to reinvest? And in actuality, we get somewhere about 20 to 25% a year that just comes back to get reinvested on a systematic basis. And, and where are you finding opportunities? I think the high-yield part of the municipal marketplace is very compelling, especially if you compare it versus the taxable huh. high-yield marketplace. Okay. And, and you, run, you run a high-yield municipal We do. We run high-yield strategies for clients, right. um, and that's attractive. Huh. Another part of the municipal marketplace that I think is relatively overlooked are insured wrapped bonds. Now, this is a part of the marketplace that prior to the financial crisis of 2008 was very large. There was right. a lot of AAA-rated insured monoline insurance companies. And then they all blew up. They all blew so up. MBIA and, and the, AMBAC and, right. And absolutely. Fidget. And the market now, just Now, what's really interesting lapsed. about that is none of them blew up because they're municipal bond exposure. Right, It was exactly. their non-municipal exposure. So they basically kind of created and reinvented themselves to a degree. There's only really two that are surviving left today, Assured Guarantee and Build America Mutual. But away from them, there's still some value with the other ones. But so it's, it's the, the issuance in that marketplace has dropped considerably. And your average investor in the municipal marketplace doesn't really like it because they remember kind of what happened in 2008. But at the end of the day, these are double-barreled bonds, meaning you not only have the issuer paying you with the obligation to pay you, but you have also have this 
regulated insurance company that's there to pay you as well. And they have demonstrated significant strength and value in the marketplace for some of those problem credits. No, and you told me like, you know, Puerto Rico, for instance, the Puerto Rican bonds, right? right. Are what you call wrapped. In, Correct. And yeah, there's a, there's a couple of them. Right? Puerto Rico's, absolutely. So there's Puerto Rico. And so we have talked to clients about that. Right. So we've been investing in Puerto Rico for a while. We've been making money in Puerto Rico right. and, and for a very long time for our clients. You know, right. unless they and were so, insured. But right. think about insurance today, right? And think use Puerto Rico as an example. Defaulted Puerto Rico bonds are trading around 85 cents on a dollar, and you're not getting any income right now, and there's a restructuring coming. Great deal of uncertainty, great deal of risk. We've talked about that. But you also have insured-wrapped Puerto Rico bonds, which is the lion's share of our Puerto Rico ex- uh, exposure at Mackay. Those are trading anywhere between 105 cents on the dollar to 90 cents on a dollar, so some of the weaker insurance companies, and still paying coupon payments for a bond that is technically defaulted, right. but these bonds are not in default. The financial guarantors are there paying you and fighting on your behalf, by the way. I've been watching, obviously, the fund flows. Mm-hmm. And you know, despite the fact that the stock market's been making new records and everything else, the, the vast majority of funds up until recently has still gone into bond funds. Yes. And so how much at risk are U.S. investors who, hold, who are holding corporate bond funds? Um, we would say you are at a significant risk. Okay. Now, um, you've been probably saying that for a while, right? We have been known to say for that for a while. several years. But let me right? give you sort of, yes, a, a, of how we sort of come to that. Right. And I'm just going to use the, the, the uh, Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Index as, as an example. Because um, if you own a, a taxable bond fund that says it's an intermediate-term bond fund, that's the index. It yes, sort everybody of, can It sort of mirrors itself right. against or looks at. So if interest rates rise, I can do the math at the time. I have roughly 40 basis points in a 12-month period. You can just figure it out by just taking the yield and dividing the duration into it. You'll get to a zero return. So not very much of a movement in rates. Either right. spread changes or just long rates rise, um, and you're going to be in trouble. And so... We think people have gone into that because the income that it had. The other thing that we'll notice is when you see a, a large flow in, all those funds own the same thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they have people who want to get out, Bob Rodriguez used this phrase, it's a to whom bond. To whom are you going to sell that to? <laughs> because if everybody owns it, you know, all the same funds in it. Who are you going to sell that to? Right. Bob Rodriguez being your long-term He's my long. He's the one that hired me. At he's FBA. Long, yeah, at right. FBA, and he hired me. I'm, I'm sorry that you left that. Yes, and it was to whom was him. Yeah. Um, he had another phrase for those bonds, but you know, fish bonds. They're first in. They're still here because you can't get rid of them. Um, but the problem so that's is, the case. So that's the case. Right. The, the, the illiquidity and, like, it's where are you going to sell this yes. stuff? It's right. an illiquidity. Okay. The, the thing that makes the illiquidity even more cute is, the regulatory changes that went on post-2008, the brokerage firms, they're not in a position to take it from you. Right. Banks and brokerage firms just withdrew from making because markets. It, and right. So then it becomes a liquidity problem if, mm-hmm. there's, if there's an exit. And it doesn't take much in yield change to make that fund potentially have a negative return. Right. Most investors in bond funds get very uncomfortable once the return gets negative. It's yeah. something they tend not to be, you know, no, they're no, okay with it. It's not what they want with bonds. No. They're okay in many respects with equities. They can rationalize through it. Bonds, my experience tells me, they have a fairly short fuse for that. So, so strategy, you, you've mentioned the, the insurance-wrapped bonds. You've, mm-hmm. what, what are, just to 
some major strategies that you're employing in, in, the, in your mainstay, your, your you know, flagship bond Right, fund. the flagship fund. Yeah. Um, and so, well, the, the specialty states that I talked about. Right. Um, some of the, uh, the longer term uh, plays, infrastructure, dedicated revenue streams, cash flows, backing bonds, I think are very, very attractive. You know, that is not a sector that we tend to kind of change a lot. They mm -hmm. work very, very well. I'm an active manager, so there's parts of my portfolio will increase and decrease based upon relative value and the opportunities that exist in the municipal marketplace that ebb and flow throughout time. Transportation tends to be one, toll roads as an example, uh, airports are another as an right. example. We have been overweight healthcare and higher education for the last several years. We are reducing that exposure because going it's forward. Done well. It's done well, and now the, the view going forward is not as rosy. You know, you've got issues with um, certain parts of the Affordable Care Act being eliminated, like the single payer uh, mm -hmm. mandate, uh, individual mandate. So that's going to hurt health care potentially. It has the potential of hurting a combination of weaker states that expanded Medicare mm -hmm. under the programs mm -hmm. and weaker hospitals and systems within those states. Right. So you have to be careful. Um, higher education. The higher education sector in the municipal marketplace kind of built up for the capacity of the, the baby boomer echo. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the number of students going to college peaked basically in 2009, 2010. Um, and so therefore, that's going to be a problem going forward for a lot of higher education uh, entities throughout the countries. One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what should we all own some of, Bob DeMello? Taxes will go up and they will go down, but we're always going to have them in this country. And if you think about the long-term aspects of simply a tax-exempt bond, I love actually closed-end municipal bond funds. And they can trade at a premium, they can trade at a discount, um, but they are incredibly attractive product for two things. First, for clients who like living on the income and taking the income. Mm -hmm. It's even a better long-term solution for clients who don't and they compound the interest income on it because these products pay on a monthly basis and the long-term compounding, tax-free compounding impact on these makes them an incredibly strong total return product that people don't think about from a municipal marketplace. Interesting. Hmm. Tom. Learn something. One, exciting. <laughs> just learned something. We always do. By, by the way, can we write that down? Because I may walk out the door and do that. I like that. <laughs> so what, what, what would your one investment be? No, I thought that was really, thank you, Bob. I was wrapping it through. So as I thought about it, I mean, there's a, a, a couple of ways I could go. And, and I really decided I'd step back to my area of expertise in, in sort of bonds. I, I think when I look at this and, and look forward, um, we've gone through a long period of declining inflation. Yes, of infl declining inflation. De declining inflation. We've gotten down to an inflation level that's been sitting in a, in a low. I said, okay, if I think out long term, you know, three years, five years, ten years, do I think it's going to go lower from here or do I think it's sort of going to be from here and maybe tend to rise? Shouldn't I own something that protects against that? And so I think you look into that and you go, hmm, Treasury inflation, inflation protection security. security. So tips. Tips look like a, a good thing for someone to start. Maybe start with a three-year or the five-year. You don't necessarily have to start with a 10-year, but you go, okay, maybe I'll start with a three and the right. five-year. And you start to build along and see how that inflation movement is, is going. But I think that as far as a place, okay, how do I protect wealth mm -hmm. that I've accumulated from the ravages that inflation has going forward? Two very creative ideas. Thank you both so much. Bob DeMella, great to have you on Wealth Truck again. 
And Tom, it is wonderful to have you for the first time on Wealth Track. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is follow Bob DeMella's advice and take a look at closed-end municipal bond funds. Closed-end muni funds are an overlooked asset class which has some advantages and disadvantages. They frequently use leverage and therefore can be quite volatile. A closed-end fund issues a fixed number of shares when it is offered to the public. It then trades like a stock on an exchange. Its share value is determined in the market, not directly by the value of its portfolio, so its share price frequently trades below its net asset value. As Demella said, that means income is frequently reinvested at a discount, particularly in bear markets. It can hold illiquid bonds for years. They tend to yield more. It does not have to worry about meeting cash redemptions. For all of these reasons, closed-end muni funds have a history of outperforming traditional muni bond mutual funds and the newer municipal bond ETFs by a wide margin. They are worth discussing with your investment advisor. Well, next week, we discuss little-known strategies to save a lot of money on different investments with wealth manager Stuart Lucas and art appraiser and advisor Andy Augenblick. In this week's extra feature on our website, we discuss golf with Tom Atterbury and Bob DeMello's newest venture, Actively Managed Muni Bond ETFs. Tell us what you think about today's topics by reaching out to us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for watching. Have a great Super Bowl weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.